Hi, and thanks for tuning in to the Next Up Podcast. School Food Rocks was in the house today, and I was lucky enough to catch up with my two good friends, Joe Urban and Lauren Couchois. We spoke about their passions, experiences, ethics, and what they are doing to help ensure school food rocks across the country. There might even be some firsts that were shared on this episode, so make sure you tune in because you're definitely not going to want to miss out. All right, you guys, happy Saturday. Thank you so much for taking the time on the weekend to join me for the next up podcast. I have the Joe Urban and the Lauren Kushwa. How are you guys doing? Doing great, Marlon. Thanks for having us on. Anytime. I've been dying to get you guys on the podcast. It's been a long time coming. You guys had me on the SFR podcast a while back and it was a blast. I was like, you know what? We've got to do this again, but let's try it on my platform. <laughs> awesome. Let's go. So let's get some introduction. I mean, I obviously know you both really well, but um, there could be maybe only like one or two people out there that might not have heard of you. It'd be shocking to me, but... Like one or two hundred thousand? <laughs> I don't know about that. You guys are a big deal. <laughs> All right. Well, ladies first, Lauren. Oh, what a gentleman. Oh, you're so Look at this guy. Chivalry <laughs> 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 never stops. <laughs> All right. Well, I am Lauren Kushwa. I am a registered dietitian and school nutrition specialist. I have been in the K-12 business now for almost 12 years, um, and I've had various roles and I've worked in various states. And so I originally started in Florida as the dietitian and menu planner and procurement specialist, all in one role. And let me tell you, that is a role for three people. It was um, a good thing I didn't have kids yet. I loved that role, but that was about 12 to 14 hour days that I was happy to do because I just loved it so much. And then I worked my way up from there to coordinate our special projects for farm to school, uh, student wellness, and all of our grants. And then I was director in Lee County, Florida um, for a few years. And it was absolutely wonderful. I really enjoyed being a director much more than I ever thought that I would be because on that director level, you were really working with your employees and affecting your employees. In my other roles, it was much more student oriented, which I loved. Um, I love nutrition education. I love getting in front of the students. But as director, you're kind of pulled back from that role. And so it's how can I positively affect my employees' lives that are doing so much because K-12 world is not easy. And I love that. But my first day as director was also my first day back from maternity leave with my son. And uh, he was like the golden child of newborns where he started sleeping through the night when he was three weeks old. And then the day after I went back to work, he was like, sucker, (laughs) and never slept through the night again for three years. So two years in, I was very tired. (laughs) And um, a very smart young man told me about a position opening up at another school district who, who is that, that very was smart, smart, handsome young man that you're talking about right now? Oh, I like that you added in handsome. I love <laughs> oh, that. Oh, you didn't out. say that? I thought you uh, did. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I thought she was referring to the place you were going to. I didn't know the place you recommended her. Okay, go ahead. No. So, um, and it was one of those things where I was like, you know what? We, I was born and raised in Florida, and um, but we were on the West Coast. And so... For those that were in Florida and maybe otherwise, but I know when you're in Florida, hurricanes are really big news, but this one was probably a national coverage because it was Hurricane Irma and it was the largest hurricane to date at that time. And it was supposed to be one of the strongest. It was also supposed to land on the East Coast in the West Palm Beach area, Miami area, and then it shifted and then it came up through the Keys and it landed right where we were. Um, And this is a lot of boring talk that has nothing to do with K-12, so I apologize. But when that hurricane hit, it kind of um, ruined all of the opportunities we had to be in the water, fishing, kayaking, paddle boarding, anything like that, because the water was unsafe for so long. So we were like, why are we still hanging here? Let's get out. And I moved and I'm now living in Simpsonville, uh, South Carolina, and it is amazing and I love it. And when I first moved here, that uh, very smart, young, handsome man was living here in South Carolina too. Oh. And then Marlon was like, oh, you're going to live in South Carolina? I'm leaving. And left me <laughs> <laughs> two, three months after we moved here. But that's how I got to be where I am at here and how I got to meet, I'm going to say it, the wonderful Joe Urban 
And um, I will say in in my interview with Joe, it was definitely something where we clicked like immediately. And my interview was supposed to be like a half an hour, 45 minutes long. And I was in there for almost three hours talking with him and the HR personnel person. And it was awesome. And I just knew I was like, this is going to be amazing. I cannot wait to get started with these guys. And it's just taken a whole, whole turn. It's, it's definitely different than what I ever thought it would be like. So I have to ask, I I don't know if you know that though, Lauren, but I I have to say this, but you know, we just celebrated your three year anniversary of coming here. So just so you know, it's on my calendar. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I got the card. Three years. Yeah. Three years of knowing each other now. What was the thing that like, the thing that connected you guys during the interview that turned it from a 30 minute long interview to a three hour interview. Like what is that thing that you guys share that you're both so passionate about that made you guys instantly click together? For well, me. Oh, lady yeah, first. <laughs> well, you already had your turn. I'm going to say for me. Go that ahead, Joe. What was it that made me, you love me right off For the me, I was, I was really, and this is right before COVID hit, you know? So, I mean, that changed everything for me. I was, I was on the search for the next national rock star that was going to help me take my program to the next level. Um, I had ideas about what that position uh, would do, but one of the things that I pride myself on is um, I like to identify talents within people and then build jobs around them. And so, you know, I had an idea. I needed somebody to come in and really take over farm to school for me. And there was a couple other projects, but really just to be my consigliere almost, you know, from this Jersey boy talk there. I needed somebody, you know, that was going to be there and have my back and give me great advice and have a really strong understanding of K-12 programs and, you know, just a broad perspective. Um, And then when I met Lauren, she was just amazing. And like she said, you're one of the ones that recommended her to me. We did a nationwide search and we had a ton, a ton of candidates and, um, I see this resume and I'm like, wow, you know, everybody can look very impressive on, on paper, but let me, let me explore social media and see who knows. Cause I had not met Lauren yet, but let me see who I know that knows her uh, because I don't want to waste my time bringing somebody up from Florida. If you know, they're just a really good resume writer. So I reached out to you and a couple of other people that I trusted um, that were connected. I had no idea if you guys were friends cause you know, we all have a lot of connections on social media. Well, I have tons that, you know, I've never met in person, but I'm friendly with. Um, but all the three, the three people I really, really trusted, I reached out to and said, hey, I do know her very well, not just social media. And if you have an opportunity to hire her, you need to jump. Um, so I, I took that advice and it's been an incredible three years since then. So see, wasn't that worth me going first? <laughs> no, that was, uh, you said it so well. That was wonderful. Thank you so much. That's um, incredibly kind and humbling because, and again, both of you know me well, um, but for those who don't, I am, um, I have no poker face and I don't lie. I'm brutally honest. And I say that that is humbling because Joe Urban has got to be one of the most amazing people in the K-12 industry. And so Joe, for you to think that highly of me, that, that really does mean a lot to me. I appreciate that. Well, it's facts. It's facts. And I, I know for me to be successful, I gotta, I gotta have the best people around. That's for sure. But then I also need people that aren't going to BS me, you know, because I have a lot of wacky ideas and every, a lot of people to say, that's awesome. And, you know, Lauren, Lauren's one to say, yeah, sounds good, but you don't want to <laughs> rethink that. So I need that. That's, imp- that's important for me as a leader to have people, other leaders around me that I can trust to give me good, solid solid, honest advice. And Lauren, Lauren is no BS. That's for sure. Yeah. You got to people, you got to surround yourself with people that keep it real, that prevent you from wasting time and wasting other people's time. Yeah. Like I tell like I'm, I'm the idea guy on my team, right? And I get a lot of crazy ideas. I'm not the ex the executor. Like I call my team the executioner. So I get these ideas and they execute, but if there's an idea that's stupid or it can't be executed, tell me, cause let's move on yeah. to the next idea, the next great thing. Right. So, sure. yeah. So Joe, tell me about you. So uh, I've been here in Greenville, South Carolina for a little over 16 years. So first first experience with school food service was just a little over 16 years ago. Uh, it's been a fun ride. It's the first and only school district I've ever worked for. Um, prior to that, I spent 15 years in uh, Florida where I owned and operated diners. 
um, had had my first one that I, I built when I was 22. Um, shortly after that, I franchised a number of them throughout the um, North Central Florida area and did that for 15 years. Just love Florida. And like Lauren, I truly got run out of Florida because I was sick of hurricanes. And that was 2004, 2005, where we had four of them back to back in five weeks. And it's just devastating damage to my restaurant. And it just mm -hmm. got just frustrating and insurance, com insurance companies didn't come through. And I knew at that point I had enough of Florida. So a few years later, I moved out. Uh, but I started looking after that last hurricane. That fourth and five weeks is when I started looking. And we actually escaped up to Gatlinburg, Tennessee, one year with a friend of ours. I think it was the last of those hurricanes where I just didn't want to sit through a week. I had little kids at the time, a week or more at a time without no power and just worrying about my restaurant. So we, we went up to Gatlinburg with him. And that was our first experience in this general area and just absolutely fell in love with it. So I've um, apparently but, been very blessed because I live in Tampa and knock on wood, I have not had any major experiences with hurricanes. They always seem to just scoot right around us. And I tell you what, yeah. it was, it must have been within the month after I moved to South Carolina from Florida, we got hit with a hurricane in South yeah. Carolina. I'm like, what the heck? Like we didn't get them in Florida, <laughs> but I get them all the way up in North Augusta. It's crazy. Well, I'm not sure when this podcast is going to air, but you're probably going to get hit by one. <laughs> Hopefully yeah, not. Just <laughs> I know. Up. Yeah, knock yeah. on wood, though. I should be good, right? <laughs> yeah, that's one of the things I love about where me and Lauren ended up up here. We're in the upper northwest corner of South Carolina. So not only is it just beautiful, an emerging city, it's uh, on virtually every one of the top 10. I don't care if you're a biker, diner, whatever you want to do, artsy, music. Uh, beer and wine, lots of, I mean, there's this everything here, but we're also kind of protected up here by these mountains that surround us. And so we don't really get, I've been here 16 years. We don't get severe weather at all. Mm -hmm. we, we had a pretty bad storm last night that knocked out power to a couple of our schools, but we don't really get severe weather. And, you know, when it does snow, which is kind of weird for me because I'm a Jersey boy and snow, it's here you get an inch of snow, it shuts down the whole county for a day or two. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Um, used to frustrate me, but now I'm like, ah, little snow day wouldn't mind. Yeah, I wouldn't mind a little snow day. So it's 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 a beautiful place to live and work and raise our family. Yeah, it looks nice. Actually, so I've only been there once. That was when I went to go visit you back in the day, Joe. But it was gorgeous. Like I love Greenville. I wish I would have spent more time up there um, when I when I was in South Carolina. But Lauren had to run me out of the state, so now I'm down here in Florida again. <laughs> Well, well, we'll get you back to Greenville in a little longer, a little longer. That was my first, that was the first time I met you actually yeah, when you came was. up here. That was a, that was a good story. You reached out to me and um, just said, Hey, I want to come see what you're doing. And I was like, come on. Did I ever tell you why I wanted to meet you? Uh, no, but I would love to hear it <laughs> on here. So I was, uh, I had just started consulting in child nutrition, right? So I had left my job at Pasco. I was working at Mule Viewer slash Heartland School Solutions and you know me, like, I don't like being told what to do. I don't like that glass ceiling over my head. Like, I want to do more creative things. And it's kind of hard to do when you're working for a big corporation, right? So um, I started consulting. And I came across some people who always brought up the name Joe Urban. Joe Urban this, Joe Urban that. How is Joe Urban doing this? It's impossible. That can't be real. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to listen to your opinions, your questions about him and have you form my opinion of this guy. He sounds awesome to me. I'm going to go meet him for myself and for my own opinion and hopefully learn a few things from him while I'm there. And I tell you what, Joe, I learned a ton from you for that. What? I was there for maybe what, an hour and a half, two hours, yeah, walked around, like had some lunch. And it was a great experience. And I tell people all the time, um, Joe's never failed an audit and his team absolutely loves him absolutely loves him and how well, can you how can you hate on that uh, people hate is gonna hate that's what hate they do and and I, I could say you know i think i was lucky in that this was my only k-12 experience except for growing up where i i despise school food um, going to lunch in Florida when my kids were young, if I, if I had an opportunity to, to meet them at school, my, my wife actually taught at their school, um, was, was not great experiences, you know, from a lifelong food guy, I grew up in the restaurant industry. Um, it was just never really, really appealed to me, but mm -hmm. I, I think I'm very, I got very fortunate when I didn't come into this with some preconceived notion that school food can only be this. You know, I came from the with a restaurant background, um, so I had some ideas. I was fortunate to have some really, really good people on the team already 
who uh, also came from the, the restaurant industry, but had really, really strong uh, high level leadership positions in other school districts. So they, they knew both of those worlds. Uh, one of them in particular, my friend, Ron Jones, who really helped me learn and navigate K-12. Uh, but we, we said early on that it doesn't need to be like this. I mean, the, obviously there's going to be some barriers. There's going to be some limitations based on funding and USDA regulations, but um, doesn't mean we got to meet the lowest bar. Let, let's see how far up we can take that bar. And I'm going to be honest, 16 years later, we still haven't found that plateau. Um, funding has been kind of weird the last couple of years with a lot of it. So, I mean, that that's a, but we're still doing the same thing we we're doing now that we were doing pre-COVID. Uh, but also fortunate in the fact that it came to the district that um, said, do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Do what you want to do. You know, don't break any rules. Don't break any federal rules. Don't break any state rules. Don't break any local rules, stay within all those regulations, uh, find a way to make your, 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 your department profitable, which it was semi profitable before. Um, so, you know, if you, if you could find a way to fully fund your program, that's with all your indirect costs and all your fringe benefit costs and stay within those rules, then you should serve the best food you possibly can. So I've, I've realized incredible support from, Everybody from the community, from the team that works in the district I work for in Greenville, um, from the school board, from the superintendent, from the CFO. I have never had a moment where they didn't give me the freedom and latitude to do what I wanted to do to help elevate this program. So we didn't get there overnight. We started off with a good, a, probably a better than uh, average uh, program um, that, you know, served good food with a really, really strong emphasis on food safety. So we had a good base to work from. And then it was just baby steps where, all right, what's our next step? We, I remember putting a whiteboard on my office and my wall going, all right, here's where we are. Here's where we want to go. How do we get there? What's the path there? And there's not one path there. There's several roads you take to get there. Uh, but we decided this, this pick all the low hanging fruit we possibly can first, because with no money, no investment and a couple tweaks, we can really, really change what our district looks like overnight. And we did that very quickly. And then from there, we just built upon successes. And and before you know it, we're serving better food and our participation has increased. And, you know, a hundred cafeteria managers understand food costs and labor costs. And um, that resulted in millions and millions of dollars that we were able to reinvest. Yeah. Uh, it's all about small steps in the right direction, which is something that you put me on to during our visit. You told me to yes, take sir. small steps in the right direction. And you'll eventually get to where you're meant to be. So I appreciate that. And don't that. worry about what somebody else says about you. No. Like, you got to be true to yourself. Here's the vision that you have. Um, try to really get the people that, that work for you and with you um, to align to that vision. And if you could do that, if you got great people and a good vision and you don't care what other people say, um, I got to be, I'm sorry, this bee's been bothering me all day. Um, they don't, there, there's really no limitations of where you can go. You know, like I said, we've, we've developed, you know, probably one of the most progressive programs in the country. I'm not saying it's the best. There's, there's, you know, everybody's so different out there and they have different capabilities, but I think we developed the gold standard um, here and, you know, the vision of, of helping spread that across the country uh, for me started about a decade ago when I, developed the school food rocks brand yeah well real quick i actually do care what the haters say because i know if they're hating and they're talking i'm doing yeah. i'm going in the right direction i'm, I'm doing good <laughs> and they're nervous that's right you know and, and and i don't get mad at them because no. when they see what when you see what somebody else is doing and like for you example came and actually witnessed it firsthand and that was a while ago we've come a long way since then um they don't really understand like they may not have that support I have from the school board and the community mm -hmm. and the superintendent and the CFO, you know, they may have different state uh, regulations that are, are um, different than ours, you know, cause the, the, each state can, can institute some different things if they go through the right process to the limit what districts could do. But at the heart of what we do is, is just try to support and value people um, with a goal of serving kids the most nutritious food. And, and that's what I think we all should be doing um, to whatever degree we're able to do it at given our, our situation. Yeah. And I know um, working in school districts, you guys don't compete with each other, but on the industry side, it's, there's some competition there, here and there, right? Mm -hmm. But what I found too is like you may have your opinion of my company and me and what we're doing just because you don't truly understand. And we can compete 
And quite frankly, I'm going to beat you because I'm competitive, right? So we can compete. But why would we compete if we can work together and collaborate? Because I'm sure we could yeah. both be successful like on our own and individually. But by working together, we can do more for everybody and we could all win. And who benefits? The kids benefit. So let's not let's not fight. Let's just work together. And, and there's enough for everybody. Yeah. There's enough for everybody. There's absolutely. And I'm glad you said that because um, you're one of two friends of mine um, who who I, I, I can't really understand if your your spaces intersect or not, they're kind of similar, but not. But um, both of you guys realized that, you know, hey, there's enough for everybody. Yeah. Let's not hate on each other. Let's support each other. Let's combine and resources, it, do, do something great. <laughs> that's right. At the end of the day, if we all could do, I don't know what that was. If we all could do what we do and, and kids get better food or uh, school food service employees around the country are better supported and appreciated, that's a great thing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So how are you guys supporting school districts and whoever else you guys support? What is School Food Rocks? All right. So School Food Rocks is a brand I started a little over a decade ago. Um, and it was it was probably about 11 or 12 years ago. And it was right around the time that uh, Healthy Hunger Free Kids Act came in and the hashtag thank you Michelle Obama was out there. And then well, that started everybody that was around understands what happened then um you didn't see a good social media post about good school food all you saw was ratchet food whether it was real or manufactured and with the hashtag thanks michelle obama so everybody want to jump on the train and and blame her for for serving bad food and really a lot of the country it's probably 50 percent, but the vocal part of the country really really thought that when Healthy Hunger Freeds Kids Act came in to play, that all of a sudden school food sucked. And that's what was getting a lot of attention. And so it started uh, first as a way to, to highlight what was really going on in school food, my district, other districts. And then, no, school food doesn't suck. It rocks when it's done right. So that was an effort to really change that narrative um, because it was a bad one out there. It was getting... Uh, you know, unfortunately, it's all political and it's it's going to happen again this year because it happens every year. Um, it was just an effort to uh, help highlight what great stuff is going on around there in, in the country. That's where School Food Rock started. And it just developed into a monster over the course of a decade or so. Um, so today, um, School Food Rocks is now and has been for a little while um, working with, with different districts and community members and industry partners to spread uh, school food excellence around the country. That's our mission. So we, we help people in a variety of ways, whether it is Lauren's part of my School Food Rocks team and whether it is helping people uh, write recipes and develop cycle menus that uh, highlight scratch and speed scratch items or uh, whether it's helping them with nutritional analysis or any kind of leadership training they may need, food quality training. we got chefs around the country who will go into a, a school district and, and work with them for a week or so to help them improve as well. Um, so there's a variety of different avenues where School Food Rocks is heading, but um, that's how it started. And I, I will it. say, Marlon, you had originally asked in our interview, what was it that drew me in to say, like, this is going to be an amazing collaboration? Joe and I very much share a passion for making school food as good as it can be, not just within one given location. And one of the things I said to him in my interview, he was very, very last thing. He's like, so what do you think? Any questions? Any hesitation? And I was like, I developed a hesitation sitting here talking with you. And I can see that we're so incredibly like-minded that I almost feel like maybe I should stay where I am and help spread change in Florida while you're doing it here. And he said to me, if you come to work for us, people will visit us and you will be helping more people that way, teaching them and helping them. And then they can spread it to where they work. Then you will just in your one county in Florida. And thank God he said that because it was very much like, I mean, truly my goal is, is that everybody is serving amazing food. So I was hesitant. And when he said that to me, I was like, that sounds amazing. And for me, it's one of my favorite aspects about SFR is that we're working with other counties. We're working with other K-12 professionals to help them do what you said, you know, that they see us and they're always like, well, that's impossible. How are they doing that? And let me tell you, it's not rocket science. And it's one of those things now where I'm, people come to visit 
or I talk to my friends who are in K-12 in other states and I'm like, it's so simple. You've got to start small and look at your low hanging fruit and affect those changes first. And then you'll look at the next thing. Well, that standard is now met. Where's my next weakness? Where can I keep improving? And I love that part of SFR um, of going out and working with people and helping them see how you can take small, simple steps to make those big improvements. Um, and I just love that part. I love how you yeah. guys how you guys leveled up, and it's not just people coming to you. Now you're going to them, and you're spreading the amazing culture that you guys have developed to other states across the country. It's huge. Mm-hmm. You know, I, th- I think a lot of a lot of operators out there, and, and more and more so, are are now understanding this. But there are you know over fourteen thousand school districts, so um, there's a lot of operators out there that don't understand, or they understand, but they don't know how to, to manage it. That that this we're in the business of, of feeding school kids and it's business and feeding school kids sounds weird. And, and you know, in, in a it shouldn't, fantasy, <laughs> fantasy world, it, it shouldn't exist because it should be a business, but unless you run it like a business, yeah, you really, really can improve. You can't fundraises for your staff. You can't buy the appropriate equipment to make sure that they have the resources they need to serve good food. You can't fund the training that's needed. You can't fully support your district. You can't reinvest money into better yeah, food. And that was that was the first thing that we did in, in Greenville was we we really uh, helped people understand that, you know, we got almost 100 locations and each imagine us as like there's a horrible analogy, but a Chili's franchise. You know, there, there's a there's a district manager, there's a regional manager, um, directors who are who are out there overseeing all these operations, and each one of them have to meet, you know, not only quality standards for that brand, but they also got to meet their expense uh, standards. So what uh, their food costs and, the, and their labor costs all have to be in line. So that was the first thing we really did here was to understand where our weaknesses were as far as the financials. And find a way to educate our people who are managing these locations because they're all managing a little restaurant. Um, how they are going to better uh, manage those costs by following standardized recipes, by understanding flow of the kitchen, lots of different ways. And we did that over the course of the first year or two, and and without really increasing any participation, realized millions of dollars of of revenue that was being left on the table. Um, if we were in the private sector, there'd be you know, hundreds of hundreds of thousands of dollars of bonuses going to all the people at the leadership level and the, and the school level that are responsible for that. But we're not, thankfully, well, kind of thankfully, not thankfully, but we're not. So in, instead, all that gets to be dumped back into the program. So we go to we get to go from a highly processed 20 ingredient burger to a certified Angus beef burger, or we could move the whole fruit or we could buy better chicken or better whatever it may be, uh, make sure our our kitchens are fully equipped. So um, that's the part that people really need to understand. Um, and then when they talk about crazy menus, like, like we've been able to pull off for a number of years, I mean, they're, that's, it's, it's not like you throw stuff on a wall and hopefully it works out. There's science behind that. There's menu engineering programs. They understand districts need to understand how many people they're going to get serving any given day, which of those, which percentage of those are going to take certain items over different items. And when you do that, you could build menus that, that incorporate a lot of higher quality, higher cost items um, that are balanced off by high quality, lesser expensive items. And so there's, it's not, it's, it's, it's not rocket science, but it's science. Yeah. And it's science that you, that's been used in the restaurant industry for ever. I mean, when I was, 13 in, in one of my first restaurants I worked in for my father. I mean, his chef was using something like that. I, don't, I doubt he called it menu engineering back then, but he understood how to build a menu around what's going to be profitable, right? So there's, there's a lot to it. So it sounds like what you're saying is you pretty much, you you run your child nutrition programs the same way you ran your restaurant within the USDA guidelines. Just 100%. Like 100%. Yeah. 100%. So, Lauren, this question is for you. Um, how do I ask this without offending anybody? <laughs> do you? Ooh, my favorite kind of question. <laughs> All right. So we're kind of seeing, or we've been seeing a movement, whereas like previously districts wanted more registered dietitians in leadership running their programs. Now a lot of people are looking for chefs, and then some people is looking for people that know how to run a business. Now, I don't, I have no idea, but going to, going to school as a registered dietitian to be 
do you guys get business training and how, or, and if not, do you feel like it'd be beneficial to get more business training so that you can, so when you take over a school district or child nutrition program, which is becoming more popular for entry dietitians, because now they're all finding out how amazing school food is. Mm. Do you think that you guys need more training on that end? Like that experience that Joe has working in restaurants, do you guys get that in school or no? Uh, that was a very nice way of asking that question. <laughs> and no, we don't get any kind of training like that. Um, and in fact, as a registered dietitian, the primary focus is clinical. And so I only got into school nutrition because in my dietetic internship time, I had a week in school nutrition and that was it. And then at the end of my internship, we got a six week rotation to pick any specialty we wanted to. And I felt I didn't get enough in school nutrition. So I went back to, I shouldn't say back because I didn't go to the same place I did my one week. I was in Indianapolis at the time. I went and worked with Charlotte County Schools um, and the amazing Terry Whitaker and her team there for six weeks to get some kind of understanding of what school nutrition actually is. And um, so that's the only reason I even got that. Now we do do a section for food service management um, and depending on your preceptor, that determines how much education you get in that line of work. I'm really fortunate that prior, I didn't talk about my um, background before becoming a dietitian, but I owned my own business. I was um, an animal trainer when I was 15 years old at Universal Studios. And then for the next five years, that's where I worked and went to school at the same time. And when I left that position, I went back to school and I went into nutrition and dietetics for my um, studies because in zoology and at Universal, the diets affected the animals so much. And that's where my first like glimpse into nutrition actually was. And I loved it because I loved the science part of it all. Um, so I went back to school for dietetics. And at the same time, I bought a coffee shop because I'm not smart. <laughs> and it was so much work. And I truly joke when I say I'm not smart because it was one of the best things I ever did. Um, that real life hands-on experience of running a business when you have had no training in it is I think what had helped me when I first became a dietitian because I was hired at Lee County Schools right out of my internship with the dietitian I was um, following like though she had left the one that I was filling in. She left before I got there. So nobody was there to train me. And it was right as Healthy Hunger Free Kids Act started. <laughs> And so nobody knew the rules. Nobody knew what to do. Nobody knew how to do nutrition analysis. We didn't have software. I created my own spreadsheets and mathematical equations in order to make it work to figure out what was a weekly, you know, um, why am I forgetting the word for average, a weekly average of nutrients and all of that stuff. Um, and I loved it. But I do think it would be either incredibly beneficial that whether you're a registered dietitian or not, Anybody going into the school nutrition field, running it like a business is exactly how you should be doing it. I mean, we say it all the time. We are here to serve the students. We are here to do the best that we can do. And yet we are a business. This is not a freebie. We cannot give everything away. Um, I think some people in the school side of things, not the school nutrition side, when you're a school, school staff, principals, whoever you may be, sometimes come into our kitchens and they're just like, hey, I need a case of cups. And they expect us just to be like, here you go. And it's like, well, that case right there was $40 and it's on my inventory. And what is that going to look like and affect my plate costs at the end of the month? And those things aren't thought through. So um, I really think it is definitely beneficial that anybody, you know, has that understanding of running a business. But truly, this is just an opinion. So again, sorry if I offend anybody. Um, sorry, not sorry. I was going to say, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> the people that are most successful in school nutrition have nothing to do with where your knowledge book wise lies it is where's your creativity and how are you able to be given rules and think outside the box and still stay within those rules and produce an amazing program so sometimes personality is just what it comes down to being successful in this business because we are constantly hit with roadblocks and some people especially as a dietitian as a type a person we like that box because i can figure out how i'm supposed to make it work Thinking outside of that box definitely just takes a more creative brain and a more creative person to make it work. So that was kind of a long-winded answer hey, to you nailed it. <laughs> would business education be beneficial? 
hundred percent. But two, you got to be able to put in the work and you've got to be creative. Yep. And I just want to add that, you know, every district is so different. You know, some districts are fortunate and they have a, a very large and diverse central office staff, you know, so um, you could, you know, maybe you got a chef, maybe you're a director, but you're not a chef or a dietitian, but you got an excellent chef that that helps uh, develop menus and understands menu engineering and you know they can partner with the rd there to make sure you're you're doing the right thing to meet the regulations and serving the the most nutritious food possible you know and but there's some directors who don't have an rd or a chef you know and they're kind of at the mercy about what what they understand or how what advice they can get from manufacturers and what they should should uh should menu to make it work. And, you know, so everybody's in a different position. And and my best advice is if, if you're in a, a small district and you don't really have an RD on staff and you don't have a, a chef or restaurant background, it's just, you know, partner with, with another school district, they're going to help you out. You know, there's lots of good consultants out there that can help develop recipes and menus and do analysis for you. There's, there's lots of people out there that'll help in this industry, both if it's just your neighbor or there's a number of uh, industry partners out there that are, are very good at what they do and willing to come in and help you get there. You know, it's, it's, it's hard. I, I know there's a district up, um, I'm not going to call it the state because you'll know what it is. Little north, <laughs> little north of here, a few states north of here that, you know, they, they have a very, very, very large district and, it, it, you know, very, very large. They're probably in the top 25 in the country, but they're just serving really, really bad food. And, you know, while back they hired a chef to run the program, but he didn't understand any of the other parts of it. So he had these fantasies about growing all his tomatoes for the district and serving nothing but organic. And it's just, you got to understand in the space we're in, you need to find the best way that you could do the best thing for the kids given your situation. And um, one thing he didn't do was, was um, really collaborate with others in the industry. He wanted to be a renegade and, and it just didn't work for him. Um, so there's lots of people out there willing to help if you're willing to ask for help. So are you guys actually mm -hmm. helping with analysis too? If a school district needs help with that, you'll do it for them. So recipe development, Under analysis, all that. Hundred percent. If you just if you wanna you wanna purchase one recipe, we got you. If you wanna purchase a block of a hundred recipes, we got you. If you need somebody to actually develop your cycle menus based on you know what you're able to get off of your bid, we can help you with that. If you don't have the software to do the analysis on those menus, we can help you with that as well. Uh, we got a culinary team that that can get out there and help train your staff how to properly cook food as well. Um, and also display food, you know, so they, it's a, it's a full service consulting company. There's not nothing. If you need somebody to help you design a kitchen, we gotcha. We, if you need somebody to help you, uh, do a solicitation for equipment purchases, we gotcha food, save way. So what would you think the thing is that separates you from the other consultants out there? I think, I think from A to Z, there's not a category or need for a school district food service program that we don't have as good, if not better of experience in handling, you know? So, you know, there's lots of people that, that focus on this piece and that piece. And that's great. You know, if you, if you're a great food safety trainer, focus on that and go, that's one of 50 pieces of our company. It doesn't matter what it, if it happens in a school district, we can get you there. If you need HR training, we got you. If you need leadership training, we got you. If you need meal pattern compliance training, we got you. If you need a surf safe trainer, we got you. If if your district needs you to help develop the specification for the new construction, we got you. We got a team that can that can do CAD work that will define that will uh, design a kitchen that'll meet your needs. So there's there's nothing that we don't do with a uh, with the people that are on our team that can't get a district where they need to be. I just had a vision because I'm a creative marketing guy and I was thinking about a tagline and it's need a blank, we got you. But in the we blank, you. you cycle through all the different things that you do. It's like a video or reel that goes around and around because you guys got it. You got everything. <laughs> and so that, I mean, we're, we're fortunate in that aspect that, that we've been building this brand for a while and that we've been able to align ourselves with a lot of incredible people. So 10 years in the game doing SFR and how many Facebook followers do you have? I think it's 26,000 at this point. No, it's 26,000. Like no big deal, yeah. right? <laughs> I mean, a million plus hits, a million plus hits a month. 
that is crazy. Smaller, smaller following on uh, on uh, Twitter and Instagram, but it's still pretty significant. Yeah, but I think the majority of the people that we're both trying to get a hold of live on Facebook in the K twelve yeah. world. Twenty six thousand. That's huge. Is that the biggest Facebook group out there? Think so. <laughs> Say it like you mean it. That is the biggest Facebook group out there. School Food Rocks. Yeah. Everybody listening, if you're not on it, you need to check it out because School Food does rock. And you guys have some of the craziest food photos on that page. So talk yeah, to me about it, some of your recipes. Um, I mean, you you name it, we're gonna do it. So I believe that school districts can mimic to the level of quality that our students get whether they're in a mall food court or if they're in their downtown community or they're in their favorite restaurant obviously there's some limitations right there we're not serving tomahawk steaks but we we believe that it's incumbent on school districts to really understand what what the youth want these days you know and find a way to mimic that in a way that that's super high quality I mean, we pride ourselves in in the fact that you can you can get a free meal at our school um, and we help in other school districts get there also. Um, that will rival what you'll pay 10 and $15 for in your favorite place downtown. You know, so what, what our goal is, is just to find out what kids want to eat, find a way to recreate that within those USDA regulations. Sometimes that role is going to be, is going to be a little different because it's going to be 51% whole grain, but it doesn't mean we can't match that flavor profile. Um, so, um, hopefully soon you're going to see a line of school food rocks food, uh, focusing on Asian, Latin and Italian cuisine. That's going to be top of the line, premier quality, uh, first in class food sold throughout the country. That's coming next. You heard it first on this show. Wow. So you're telling me you guys went from building successful leaders to actually creating your own brand of food that you're going to be distributing. <laughs> That's correct. That's that correct. Crazy. That's correct. And in, in August, we're going to be doing some soft launches with about 10 of the nation's largest school districts. Uh, they'll all be in the top 50 for sure. Um, we got tests, uh, we got products being sent to districts this week that are being tested with kids. And when I tell you, I have partnered with some monsters in the food manufacturing industry um, and nobody in the K-12 industry, for the most part has, has ever heard of these guys before um, because they haven't really been in this space, but they've been feeding military overseas for 25 plus years. They've been serving quality. When you go on a cruise line and it's like all you can eat, right? You don't expect trash food. They have been some of the premier manufacturers for two of the largest cruise lines for over 25 years. They've done, um, I don't want to name the airlines, but some pretty impressive <laughs> airlines as well. And they're, they're, some of the people that have kept our troops fed for the last quarter century before we pulled out of Afghanistan and Iraq. So um, these people are uh, monsters. They have uh, the ability to procure super high quality food at a great price. They have a proven track record. So I've been partnering with them and doing some R&D with them. And uh, there's some big things coming. Man. I feel like you guys went from encouraging people or teaching people to prove or to show that school food can rock, but now you're just making it easy for them because you're giving them the food, you're selling them the food that is going to make, take their programs to the next level. That's nuts. I mean, that's the goal, right? That was something that we yeah. spoke about before we started recording is why can't, you know, making it better for all of the kids across the nation. How could you turn your head at that? How could you not want to be a part of that and help make that a real you know, a reality for our kids because some of the food out there is compliant. And one of my favorite Joe Urban quotes is the rules make it compliant. They don't have to make it quality. And um, I think SFR is doing an amazing job to start changing that script. And and this is where the focus on, on these new food lines are coming from. So we are also promoting scratch and speed scratch cooking, and we're going to provide resources for districts to get there. But, you know, and I didn't, I didn't get this when I first got into this industry because, you know, the district I came to was the first ever one I worked in and, you know, magnificent kitchens and lots of staff and, you know, 
better equipped kitchens than anything I worked for really in the restaurant industry. Everything you possibly needed was there. And if it wasn't there, we can get it for you. Um, so my dumb mind, I'm thinking, well, why can't everybody cook meatloaf? Why can't everybody make their own curry? Why can't everybody do this? And it took me a minute to realize that it, it this is everybody's unequal in this game. They all have different limitations. So um, this this line of school food rocks food is going to be for districts that don't have those capacities to do a lot or any scratch or speed scratch food. But yet they're going to kind of food that would rival anything they would get in their favorite restaurant or that they can produce themselves. So we're going to be promoting both sides of this. This is going to be a whole resource for you have the capabilities for, for scratch cooking. Cool. We're going to help you get there. If you don't, we're going to help you get there too, because we believe all students throughout the country deserve the same quality food, regardless of what, whatever kind of limitations districts may have. So there's a need for super, super high quality premium fully cooked, incredible ethnic cuisine in this country. Um, and there, there's some manufacturers out there doing a good job, but SFR is going to be the first pre premium brand out there. I love promise. it. So what what sort of products are you going to be offering? I saw, uh, some stuff, right. I saw some stuff on your on your Facebook page. <laughs> yes, yeah, so we're going to have a, a full line of, of Latin, Latin items. Um, first coming up is probably going to be our empanadas. I got these empanadas and I've been trying to get a good school food empanada for for 16 years and and there's a couple okay ones out there there's one good one out there that doesn't meet any of the regs at all um so it makes it impossible really for anybody to really serve it at high but we've been able to develop a full line of empanadas uh, both sweet and savory um, that can be served for breakfast and lunch uh, two different two different lines there um Cheeseburger empanadas, jerk chicken empanadas. Oh, jerk chicken. We Let's got go. A pizza empanada. <laughs> we got some vegetarian ones with some spinach and cheese, um, some guava and cheese ones for breakfast, some ham mm. and cheese ones for breakfast. So the empanadas are amazing. Um, we're going to have uh, fully cooked and prepared arroz con pollo. We got picadillo. Um, we got a ropa vieja. There's going to be, and then really whatever, whatever our imagination is, is where our limitation can go in there. So we'll probably open up with 10 to 15 um, different items in our Latin line. And then in the Asian line, you can think of everything you can think of. We're going to have the best egg rolls in the business. Uh, we got fried rice. We got chicken fried rice. We got beef fried rice. Um, shrimp fried rice, although I know a lot of school districts won't be able to serve that because of the shrimp. But all your traditional um, Asian dishes, we're going to have a, 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 a General Tso's. We're going to have all your popular favorites there as well. And the Italian line, we're, we're still building right now. Um, there's a long list of things that are coming there now. So my goal when, when we announce this in January, I guess we kind of announced it already, but when we announce officially, officially, officially in January, 2024, that this is coming and open for bid season, you're going to see 10 to 15 different items, um, in each of those three categories, Asian, Italian, and Latin. And then you're going to, you're going to be surprised. There's going to also be some breakfast items on there as well. Like, uh, some really, really good shelf stable and not non shelf stable, uh, yogurt. That's going to fit into breakfast and lunch patterns as well. Nice. Uh, school food rocks, tortillas, school food rocks, rolls, <laughs> whatever you need, we're going to find, uh, within some limitations, obviously, but we're going to, we're going to find the best version of that. That we're going to produce. Well, what I need is a School of Food Rocks ghost kitchen so I could order my breakfasts and lunches every day. <laughs> hey, you need to get away from Florida. You're a little too far for our ghost kitchen. <laughs> I might have to move back. I mean, Greenville sounds like a nice place. <laughs> it goes wonderful. The best. Uh, that's awesome. So, um, oh, gosh, I don't even know where to begin. All right. Well, here's a question. This is a question that I know all the all the naysayers out there are thinking, mm -hmm. how is Joe Urban doing this? Isn't it a violation of district policy? What do you have to say to that? Oh, so Joe Urban's not stupid. Joe Urban just didn't decide one day that I'm going to start this whole other business that's going to be in conflict with local, state, and federal ethics rules. You know, So Joe Urban had lengthy conversations with district leadership and legal teams to clearly identify where the where the lines were, where we're allowed to navigate, you know. So there, anybody's allowed to have a second job. So, you know, Greenville's not going to, as long as I'm working with Greenville, they're not going to be able to buy school food, Rocks food. That would obviously be an ethical violation. Um, so, you know, we, we do this work. We're here on a Saturday now. We do this work outside of our normal working hours. 
You know, we use our own resources, not district resources, and we make sure that anything we do doesn't violate local, state, and and federal ethics violations. We don't. And, you know, this wouldn't, this didn't just happen overnight. There was a process to get this vetted out with, with legal. So we, we followed all of that. So you and Lauren don't feel like going to jail? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> not today. <laughs> Maybe not today. Not today. Nobody wants to go to jail. What we want to do, and, you know, and, and we made it very clear to, to, I made it very clear to my district. This is, this is, this is what's going to happen. Tell me, What's okay? What's not okay? I'll work within those parameters. And if none of it's okay, that's okay too, because I'll just go do this thing, you know? And they're like, no, no, work within the parameters. And so I'm, I'm very careful how and when I do things. And I'm very careful to make sure that everything I do, when I do it, how I do it is in line with our district policies, which it's in line for state department policies. It's in line with USDA policies. Now it's different. And I know a lot of people who do things similar to me have left their positions to do so, you know, and, and we're ready to do that if we need to, but you know, our district doesn't want us to, and we just have to follow certain, certain policies. And it's, it's not hard. You just understanding what you're allowed to do and not to do and work within that parameter. Yeah. People try to overcomplicate things. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's a, it's a weird world. I know, I know it's, it's very, very odd. And, and if you don't understand what the process looked like getting there, you could perceive something to be, be what it, what it is not. Um, fact is it is what it is. And we follow every rule that's out there just like we do in our district. And I've never, never had an audit finding on a USDA audit, you know? So um, I'm not trying to get my district in trouble. Anybody that works for me in trouble, it's, it's not, this is a separate and private entity that the, the work is conducted off hours or on hours by people who aren't employed with the district. Mm-hmm. You know, so anybody can have a second job, third job, fourth job, fifth job. You can. It just can't, it just can't conflict with what your your job duties are in your district. Yeah. So Lord- so it, it limits some of what I'm able to do at this point. That's that's frank. So I mean, if if I didn't follow those and I didn't have to follow those, you would see SFR in a, in a different light right now. Um, but as of right now, this is what we do, and these are the these are the guidelines we got to follow. Yeah. So Lauren, what is your favorite thing about being part of the SFR team? Oh, it's a hundred percent helping other people. I mean, again, it, it, it sounds trite and it sounds like, I'm, um, you know, just like a PR dream and it's nothing to do with that, but all of this truly is for our kids. It's so simple when you're just going, we want to feed the kids correctly. And it's not, I think t- for me, the other part of it too is people think about, oh, we're feeding the children. And I think you think of children as a whole. There's a lot of kids out there where this is the only meal that they get or it's the only nutritional meal. Um, and it is definitely something that has always been near and dear to my heart for when I started in K-12. I was not aware that that was a true statement. And it was my second week where a kid on Monday had mentioned as he's coming through the line, he was so excited to eat because he had eaten since Friday. Meaning when he went home, he didn't eat. He ate at the school. That was it. So if you think about, again, I go back to like people who put themselves in bad circumstances. To me, that's making a bad choice. Kids born into bad circumstances cannot help what they were born into. They cannot help the situation that they are in. What we can do is make sure that we're giving them not just nutritious food, but quality food for them when they're under our care, when it's part of our job to do this. And now we're very fortunate where we live. Um, it's an amazing, beautiful area. There's pockets of affluency and there's pockets of poverty. And I got to say that we don't treat any child different and we don't make our mission any less great for the kids that come from affluent families whatsoever. But it does drive me to do incredibly well for those kids that cannot help what they aren't getting at home. And when I look at us nationally, it's unbelievable the amount of families, children that are food insecure, that live in food deserts and don't have access to nutritious food for themselves, that it is one of the best missions in life to be able to know that you're helping make a child's life healthier. And at the very least, they're not hungry. Now, just for like, again, I'm a PR dream when I say stuff like that. I truly, truly mean it. And I will talk about this with anybody that wants to listen, including my poor friends and family that have probably heard me like go on and on about the amazing work I do. And I have had friends 
family members, not in the same conversation, but say to me, having a job that you feel, feel fulfilled in, what is that like? Like they really cannot believe I love what I do as much as I do. Um, and that I feel so, you know, so much pride to be part of an industry that does these things. And so I just love that if anybody wants help, we are willing to help with whatever aspect you want us to help in. I mean, Joe mentioned before, we have an amazing team. We have not just a team, it's a team of experts who really know the K-12 industry or are experts in their field within the K-12 industry. And we are willing to help you make your program as good as you want it to be. So for me, it's knowing that it's not just this specific part of South Carolina that is doing amazing things. It is that we are helping the nation do amazing things for our kids. And to be a part of that is just like the coolest. I'm so lucky. Took, it took me a couple of years to really appreciate the value of what we could do. I, I, I didn't realize how many students in any community relied on school. I knew there was some. I didn't realize to the extent there was. So when you, I don't care what you do in life with construction, airplane, pilot, mechanic, whatever you want to do. But if you can, you can find a way to make your profession and your passion collide. Well, you could do magical, magical things. And so um, that that's happened to me here. And I've, I have felt that way for over a decade that I'm just so fortunate to be in a place where I could do something that makes me happy that I'm good at that makes a difference in the lives of others. Um, people that stay in this industry long enough understand that. I don't think everybody that gets in it right away understands it. Some people get in just because of that. Some get into it because of the hours and the benefits and whatever it may be, the quality of life. But man, when you add in the difference you can make in the lives of students, and now we have the opportunity to help others make a difference in the lives of their students, that has been some of the most rewarding things for me when, you know, when I get an email back from a director that, that we helped and said, Hey, check out these pictures or, Hey, check out this email. My manager sent me today. You guys had an impact day one. You know, we already feel this and we're a day later, a week later, and we can't wait to do the next thing. And so man, what a, what a great place to be where you can help others help others. And so that's um, that's where this is going next. We're going to help others help others. So I'm going to ask you a loaded question right now. Uh, where did you get your inspiration for your new menu items that you're coming up with? Because they're all international ethnic menu items. Well, one, I love that food. But um, the real answer is my eyes are always open wherever I am. Um, whether I'm, um, in my own community, if I'm in a, another community within the state, or if I visit a, a different state, or if I travel to a, to another country, my eyes are always, always open to like, where, what kind of food are people gravitating towards, you know? And then why isn't that served in K-12 or why isn't a good version of that served in K-12? Um, early on, um, I was getting a lot of, I mean, early, early, first year or two, I was getting a lot of inspiration from the higher education segment. Um, because if I want to know what kids want, let's look at higher education because that's a very competitive market. Uh, if they want kids to buy that meal plan, um, they better serve really good food. So I got a lot of my initial ideas uh, from higher education. Um but I mean, it could be my favorite barbecue restaurant or my favorite Italian restaurant or when I travel with my wife when we go on vacation. Um, sometimes I just travel for that. And that happened just a couple of weeks ago. I went to Mexico City for three days by myself just to get better inspired. And uh, did you work actually, a food stand too or something while you were there? <laughs> I did. Let me tell you. So <laughs> I really thought that would be a great retirement plan for me. Like one day I, I love going to Mexico, Mexico City. One day I would. I would love to open open up a taco taco truck and make that my retirement plan. But um, based on how much I earned that day, it's probably not a good plan. <laughs> I, I had to bribe the, the guys working the the truck, and they know me because I've been going there for I don't know seven or eight years. It's on the corner where uh, the street I usually stay in, so they they know me. I'm the Guado when I come. They know I'm there, and I I'm there at seven in the morning, get breakfast tacos, and they're at late at night and in between as well. Um, 
so the financial part of that, I had to bribe them 500 pesos, which is about 25 bucks <laughs> to let me work for a couple hours. And uh, it was amazing. It was hard work. Uh, I appreciate I appreciate the effort it takes on them because, boy, they're fast. They're fast. So it was a great, great couple hours cooking with them. And I, I, this is not a tourist area. This is Mexico City. I'm feeding people on their way to work, taking break from, you know, lunch breaks and, you know, just other people, some some tourists, but not, mostly it was locals. And uh, hearing these guys going, Guero tacos, Guero tacos, get your Guero tacos, Guero tacos. It was awesome. And so people were lining up for the Guero tacos. And uh, I had a great hour and a half or two hours, however long it was. I think I served way more than 100 uh, tacos to people. And uh, boy, it was time for me to eat. And I was like, all right, make me a couple tacos. And some of gun made me pay for those tacos too. So I had, to, I had to pay for the pleasure to work the cart. And then afterwards, I, it was probably like, 30 pesos, I think, something like that, which is, you know, maybe a dollar fifty. But I had to pay for my own damn tacos afterwards. <laughs> too, so um, I'm nixing that on my retirement plan. But I'll tell you what, it was the best $25 I ever spent in my life because I got to I got to actually work that card. It was a lot of fun. That's awesome. All right. So yeah. part two to the question is for Lauren. Lauren, how do you feel about the mission of fighting food insecurities across the globe? Uh, that is a huge um and i think that you know obviously it's something everybody should be doing to support however they can however within that it's how do you support it and there's so many different avenues in which i think that you can um one is to travel just really get out of your own space and see what else is out there it'll open your eyes and your mind to your preconceptions of what something may be or what people are living in or like in a specific country, your tourism dollars help that country. And um, there's an environmental aspect to it as well. You know, there's the, um, on one hand that people say, well, if we all went vegetarian, it would save this much land from being developed for this agricultural purpose. And that is not the worst idea, except you do the beginning of that statement as well, if we all, and not everybody is going to do that. So I think thinking a little bit more logically of how can I impact it on a personal level is where I like to start things. And that's kind of anybody who knows me is, is what I do and talk about. And um, helping the environment is such an important piece of it. And my favorite thing is when I'm like, everybody should recycle. <laughs> and I have people constantly in my ear, like, you know, it doesn't all go to recycling. And I'm like, that's cool. And everything you're sending for the landfill for sure doesn't go to recycling. <laughs> so at least do your own little part, right? Um, and then, of course, money speaks louder than anything else. And if you are able to contribute, find a reputable charity, research your charity, and make sure that that money that you're contributing is going to one what you believe in and truly what the cause states that they are for, Helping support those charities, conquer that mission is going to be more than you can do just from your one little spot. Helping those researchers, helping those organizations be able to do what they can do at a greater level is very much money well spent for sure. Um, but there's so I think, it, I think make sure that you, you said something on I want to emphasize that. You need to research these organizations because there's many of them out there that are very commonplace amongst us. We all know about them. And then maybe 10% of that money actually goes towards who needs it. And so mm -hmm. you can find that information. And some of them are like, really? That that one right there, They only 20% of the money goes towards that and 80% goes towards administration fees. Obviously, there's going to be some costs associated with any running any kind of organization, but there's some great ones out there where nine, 90 cents out of every dollar goes towards those who really need it. Now, that's who we need to be focusing on. So here's why I asked that question. It's because I, I love telling stories, right? And I want to fight food insecurities just like you guys do. I want to talk yes. about and find amazing recipes and all that just like you guys do too. I think it would be really cool to do a documentary on food and culture and the impact of culture on food around the world. And we travel around together. Let's and, go. And we, and we make that happen. Because how cool would that be? And, and here's the thing. Every community, every community that we visit I want to I want to help empower them by fighting a food insecurity. So if their insecurity is they don't have access to medicine, well, we want to bring you guys medicine. Here's some medicine. If their insecurity is they need homes, let's build them homes while we're there. If their insecurity is I don't know they just don't have produce, 
let's find a way to help them grow their own produce. That's what I would love to do. Let's go. That would be absolutely amazing because also along that same line, one of the things that drives me crazy is everybody's preconceived notion of certain cultures and aspects, Mm -hmm. but also, now granted guys, I'm about to get on a soapbox, so I apologize ahead of time, but (laughs) diet culture, diet culture is extremely harmful to cultures that exist around their food. And people like dietitians, people like influencers and TikTokers and whatever the case may be out there saying, well, you shouldn't eat this. Be careful what you're saying because you could be saying something to a broad audience where that is a part of their culture and you're calling their food bad. Mm -hmm. And this comes from people who have no understanding of other people's cultural food. So for me, dude, I am like, I think my blood pressure just rose. (laughs) I am (laughs) so into that. That would be amazing. I love that idea. And I don't know, Marlon, if you've ever mentioned this before, but it is something I know about you. So I want to bring up that the way you were raised and your um, missions that you went on, and I know that your grandparents and parents were a big part of your culture growing up to always give back to others. When you just said that, that speaks volumes that you're going to keep that on as well. And I I love that. That's amazing. And yeah, if I can be a part of that, let me know. That's awesome. Let's go. Yeah. And my grandmother, she's been a... um so she's been running a mission through her church for the past 20 plus years, and she's a nurse. Um, so what she would do is she would take 20 different medical professionals to Jamaica every single year, and they would provide free medical services. They would teach trades, do all sorts of things. Well, grandma's in her 90s. She's not going to be around forever. And I want to pick up where she, where she leaves off. And I'm not a doctor or a nurse, so I don't have that skill set, but what I am able to do is tell stories. And I've been blessed enough to surround myself with some really smart people like you guys that I can take with me while I'm telling these stories to help better communities. So that's kind of, that's going to be my twist on it. Um, We actually did our first stab at it back in Jamaica a few months ago. The team went down, did some really cool work while we were there. That was a lot of fun. You guys will be seeing a video coming out on that pretty soon because we want to create some awareness for them. But that's just my passion. I mean, like, I have all these things behind me on my wall over here, and they're all just different services that we offer. And the business that I have today, it's a support by philanthropical efforts tomorrow. So I'm nice. working towards that. And uh, yeah, that's that's a dream. Whenever next event's done, it's going to be next event cares, which is a sign that AMTAB is sending over my way to put on my wall. That's going to be our nonprofit. And the goal is to focus on that. So I would that's love amazing. to have you guys help out with that. That'd be great. Let's go. And it'd be fun. Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, we uh, went well over time, but that's fine because I, I knew it was going to happen. I love chatting with you guys. I feel like so Lauren much... talks a lot. <laughs> yeah, she does. She's so chatty. <laughs> but there's so much Nearly more to talk about. Interview. It was all me just talking the entire time. <laughs> yeah, well, guys, thank you so much for being on the show today. I can't wait to have you guys back on. Looking forward to collaborating with you on some more cool stuff down the road, like that cookbook we've been talking about today. Can't wait to do that. That's going to be epic. Um, but yeah, just... I appreciate you. Thanks, thanks for everything everything that you do for districts out there and for the manufacturers serving the districts and just always being supportive of me. Appreciate it. Yeah, you're killing it, man. Thanks for having us on and uh, keep, keep killing it because you're doing amazing things. All right, thanks. Produced by NextGen Network.